Today, we're going to continue in a sermon series that we have titled Help, and not help from our neighbor, or not help from uh, our friend, or, or even a brother and sister in Christ, but help from God Almighty. And today, we're going to focus in on anger, on anger. It was 1992. I was a senior in high school playing soccer. And I found myself jamming my big toe on my right foot multiple times. And as a high school kid, it really wasn't a big deal. I just rolled with it. And, and, but, but as time went on, every time my big toe would get bumped or stepped on, usually by one of my little kids, it would hurt big time. Well, I kind of let it go. And almost 30 years later, my heel started hurting of the same foot. In fact, the pain was so bad at times I had to take my shoe off in order to try to ease the pain a little bit. So I finally succumbed and I went to the foot doctor. He did x-rays and and, uh, and they came into the office and the doctor sat down and he looked at the x-ray for one second. He said, Phil, you need to have surgery. I said, on my heel? No, on your big toe. All those years before, when I injured my big toe, bone started growing in the joint of my big toe to try to fix the situation. Well, when you give it 28 plus years, a lot of unwanted bone was where my joint used to be. And my heel, I had plantar fasciitis because my big toe wasn't moving. And so to solve it, to resolve the issue, the doctor needed to cut out all the unwanted bone in the joint so I could start to heal and put in an artificial joint. Today, I want to talk about how my experience with my big toe joint is very similar to what happens with us when we have unresolved anger, unresolved anger. If we continue to let anger go and and not resolve and not come to it, it's very similar to my toe. It's going to start to move to other parts of our body. It's going to start to affect those around us. Maybe if we get bumped into, we're going to start lashing out on them. Eventually, the pain, well, the pain is just going to get unbearable. Perhaps it's a parent that abandoned you when you were a younger kid, or a sibling you got in a fight with, or maybe it's even a spouse that you haven't had an issue with, or someone someone molested you when you were younger. Or maybe it was that coach that, that just got your kid to hate sports. Or maybe, maybe it's your boss. They just never get off your back. Anger pops up all throughout our lives, and it's something that is absolutely crucial for us to understand. In fact, I believe it's vital for us to know exactly what God wants us to do and how to respond to anger. And depending on our responses, there's going to be a couple different outcomes. We're going to go through a lot of different scriptures today. So if you're a note taker, get your pen ready to jot those scripture references down. 
but we're going to find ourselves landing in Ephesians, the book of Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to hit four different verses, verses 26 and 27 and verses 31 and 32. So let me read, starting with verse 6 of Ephesians chapter 4. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Now in verse 31, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander to be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Well, the first thing that we need to do today The first thing that we need to understand is what anger is. What is anger? Anger says, you owe me. You owe me something. Think about it. Most of the time you're angry, you're telling somebody that they owe you something. That person that cut you off on your way to work, well, they owe you an apology and maybe an extra few minutes. The people that robbed your home and stole your stuff? Well, they owe you a lot. You were violated. That boss that fired you when you were 28 years old? Well, he owes you money. That unemployment was hard. Perhaps we go as simple as two children. One has a bigger cookie, one a much smaller cookie. The kid with the smaller cookie says, you owe me. You owe me more cookie. Anger says, you owe me. Anger is also found in you and me. Anger is found in you and me. It's found in all of us. And most of us struggle with anger in some fashion every single day. And Many times, friends, we justify our anger. I... I should be angry at you. Look what you did. Some of us get angry at the grocery store, at the workplace, maybe even at the baseball game. Some of us get angry at church because of the songs that have been chosen. Sorry, Josh. Or maybe it's too hot in here or too cold. You know what the, one of the most prominent places that we get angry in our homes, with those we love the most. The other day, I was running late. I left the house, and I'm like, oh, I forgot it. I call up Reggie, my 13-year-old son. I said, Reggie, I'm coming home. I'm going to pull in. I need you to run outside and bring me this item that I forgot. Well, Reggie, happy as can be, comes running outside, smiling, bringing me the item that I had forgot, and I got angry at him. Why? Well, two hours earlier, it had rained outside, and the grass was all wet, and there was mud on the ground in my mind, and he ran outside because he was hustling. He ran outside without socks or shoes on. And in my mind, I thought, oh, Reggie, You owe me an explanation. How are you going to dry your feet off when you get back inside? You're going to go through the whole house all wet. I got angry with him. You see, anger just pops up all the time in random places for no apparent reason. 
Anger says, you owe me. And anger is found in, in all of us in some fashion. But did you know that anger can be righteous? Anger can be righteous. We see that in, in the life of Jesus. In, in Mark 3, uh, the Pharisees were, were all upset at Jesus because of uh, him doing stuff on the Sabbath. And Jesus is going to heal this lame man. And, and, and they come to him and they say, you can't heal him. But what did Jesus say? Mark 3, 5 records it. Jesus looked around at them with anger. He looked at it around with anger. He grieved at the hardness of their heart. And he said to the man, stretch out your hand. And you know the man stretched out his hand. Jesus, he was angry at the money changers. You guys remember that when he's flipping the tables. Righteous anger. Psalm 711 talks about God being an angry God. And yet at the same time in that same verse that our God is righteous in his anger. Oh, how about us? How about us? Can we be angry in a way that is righteous? Well, Paul says it in the verses that we're talking about today. Be angry and do not sin. So he's obviously saying that we could be angry without sinning. How about being angry at the person that molested you? Is that righteous anger? Sure, obviously. How about the people that broke into your home and stole your stuff? Yeah, you could be angry about that. How about, how about the killing of innocent babies? Finding out that the town next to you, there's a kid that's been being tortured for the last couple years or even reading about the Holocaust. Yes, yes, and yes, all righteous anger situations. When your anger is revealing an injustice according to God's word, it is most likely righteous anger. One author put it this way, anger is an appropriate response to suppress truth, to immoral living, and the rejection of God's will. It signals something's been broken and it needs to be fixed. So you can be justified in your anger. You can have appropriate anger. But we need to be very careful because it is a slippery slope. The Bible teaches us many ways on how we are to respond when we are angry. First, the Bible teaches you and me to put away all anger. Wait a minute, what? Didn't I just tell you that Paul said, be angry and do not sin, so that should be okay. Why is he now saying to put away all anger? Because Paul doesn't just stop at verse 26. You see, when he's writing this letter to the Ephesians, these are all new believers. These are people who have just come to know Jesus Christ, and they had been in the practice of of stealing, of lying, of uh, saying bad words to other people, and of being angry. And so Paul's trying to teach them. He's saying, hey, you are new creations in Christ. You're brand new. You are not like your old self. So you need to put away all anger. The other day I was mowing my lawn. I, I've got about two or three acres of grass to mow. 
and there's a wooded area in this one section. And, and so I'm driving along and I duck under this branch. And right then, a spider web is fully grown between the ground and the branch. And I'm just covered in spider web. And what do you think I did? I just start grabbing that spider web and I'm throwing it off and I'm getting rid of it while the mower's still moving. I was putting it away. That's what Paul's saying here. Do it crazily. Grab it and throw it. Get rid of it. Put away all anger. So Paul goes through a whole list. He goes through a whole list of things that he wants, wants them to put away. Stop stealing, stop using their mouths, to bring others down. And then Ephesians 4.31, put away all bitterness. Put away all wrath and anger and clamor and slander and, and, and malice. You see, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, just like the people that are up here stating that they are believers in Jesus Christ, if you trust that Jesus lived a perfect life, that he lived an absolutely perfect life, and that he went to the cross to forgive your sins, and that he was raised again on the third day, you are a new creation. You can put away anger. And that includes righteous anger. The scripture that we're focused in on says, do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity for the devil. Why? Why? Because if we have anger, even righteous anger, and we let it linger too long, our anger is going to turn into sinful anger which obviously is counterproductive to the kingdom. The Bible teaches you and I to put away all anger. It also teaches us to put forgiveness into practice, to put forgiveness into practice. The last verse says it well. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. Instead of being angry with people, instead of stealing from them or even speaking harsh words, just be kind. My wife has that shirt. Just be kind. Be tender-hearted, And most importantly, because this absolutely mimics what our God does for us, forgive one another. Forgive one another. If we had an antidote for anger... It would be forgiveness. Forgiveness is the antidote for anger. You know, this is really, really hard sometimes. Sometimes it's super easy. When I was angry with Reggie, the Holy Spirit convicted me before I got out of the driveway. I called him up and apologized. But other times, it is super hard to forgive somebody. 1958. Just a couple years ago, my wife's grandmother, she was cleaning the dishes in her home at Platteville, Illinois. And as she's there doing the dishes, all of a sudden, knock comes at the door. She cleans her hands off with her apron. She walks over to the door and opens the door. And standing there is a police officer with his hat off. He's there to inform Grandma 
that her nine-year-old daughter, Khaki, had just been killed, along with her nine-year-old friend, as they were riding their bikes on Platteville Road by a drunk driver. How in the world can Grandma Hutchinson ever forgive that drunk driver? You see, sometimes forgiveness is super easy. We're angry at somebody. We could forgive them pretty quickly. We realize that we were the fool in the process. Other times, it's real. This is tough stuff. That's why we go to the Bible. That's why we, we learn from the Bible. And we go, Jesus taught in Matthew 18. He, he teaches us an excellent story to understand what forgiveness really is. You see, Jesus, he loves taking complex situations and simplifying it uh, with his word. And in this case, Matthew 18, the apostle Peter, or uh, yeah, apostle Peter, he comes to Jesus and, and he's, he's all excited. He's figured it out. He goes, Jesus, okay. If our brother sins against us, how many times should we forgive them? Seven times? And that was a big number for Peter to come up with. And Jesus looks at him. Maybe he smiled. He said, no, no, Peter, not seven times, but 77 times. And then Peter turns and, and looks at his apostles and, and he tells them a story. We call it a parable. Matthew 18, I'm going to read it. Matthew 18, starting with verse 23. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle his accounts with his servants. And when he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold with his wife and children and all that he had and payment to be made. Verse 26. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, imploring, begging, please, please have patience with me and I will pay everything back. And out of pity for him, the master of the servant released him and forgave him his debt. This is unbelievable forgiveness. Uh, if, If this servant had a thousand years to live, he would never even be close to paying back what he owed the master. So he begged for forgiveness. And the king, he gave him that. He gave him forgiveness because he gave him mercy. He didn't have to give up his wife. He didn't have to give up his kids. He didn't have to give up his possessions. His debt was forgiven. You see, that's forgiveness. That's what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is is not when you require payment for something that is otherwise owed. Something that is owed. Think about your neighbor, that, that neighbor lady that talks mean to you all the time and she talks behind your back to all the other neighbors. Well, she owes you an apology and she needs to go make right her wrong. But we're to offer mercy. We're to offer forgiveness. The Bible continues in this parable. Jesus continues saying in Matthew 18, 28, but when that same servant went out, he found one of the fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii, not a lot of money. And seizing him, he began to choke him. 
saying, pay what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him, have patience with me and I will pay you. But he refused. He refused and he had him thrown into prison until he should pay the debt. And when the fellow servants saw what was happening, they reported it to their master. And the master summoned him and said to him, you wicked servant, I forgave you all the debt because you pleaded with me. Verse 33, and should not you have had the same mercy on your fellow servants as I had mercy on you? And here's Jesus speaking. And in anger, in anger, in righteous anger, his master delivered him to the jailers until he should pay all the debt. So also, so also, and this is had to be heavy for the apostles to hear, so also my heavenly Father will do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother from your heart. You see, Jesus isn't telling us that we should forgive. Jesus is telling us that we need to forgive. We need to forgive. And we realize that this forgiveness is not forgive and forget. It's a, it's a reflection of truly what Jesus has done for us. Jesus covered all of our sin through his ultimate and perfect sacrifice. And when we forgive someone else, we need to cover them with that exact same grace that Jesus Christ has shown us. And you know what? This may not be just a one-time occurrence. Sometimes we're reminded over and over of the situation, and we need to cover it over and over and over. And by the way, did you realize in the parable that the king, the king is God, and the servant, well, the servant is you, and you, and you, and me. And you know what? You and I, we owe so much to God. We owe so much to God, there is no chance in the world that we could ever repay it. Our bank accounts can't pay for it. Our service can't pay for it. Our uh, prayer life that is real or, or fake can't pay for it. The amount of times we come to church can't pay for it. We could work and work and work and work, and we still will not be able to pay for it. That's the beauty of the grace of God. And when we go to God, and when we beg for his mercy, even though we owe him so much, he's gracious. And he will provide forgiveness. Likewise, when someone owes you, they owe you that apology, they owe you something big, you don't need to go up and choke them. You need to take them to God and offer the same mercy. We've all fall, all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We are all, uh, we all need forgiveness and none of us are worthy of the forgiveness of God but he provides it anyway. The Bible teaches us that we're to put away all anger and to put forgiveness into practice. 
The Bible also teaches us to put our anger and our offender in the hands of God. Put them in the hands of God. Romans 12, 19. Romans 12, 19 says, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine. I will repay, says the Lord. So this verse is really telling us that we could truly trust that God will deal with all the wrongdoing against us. He will avenge it. It's not for us to be angry about. That's, that, that's hard because in our mind, something needs to be repaid. Something needs to be dealt with. And how could you not lash out at that person? Do you understand, Phil, what they did to me? You need justice, and if you don't do it, no one else will. That's what we tell ourselves. That's what we tell ourselves about the smallest things and the big, huge ones. God tells us something very different. He tells us in the Bible that God always, always knows what happened. He always knows what happened, and he will always repay Now, his repayment may come in the form of eternal repayment. Or his payment may come in complete forgiveness. Either way, the Bible's clear that we are not to hold on to our anger. We are to lay it in the hands of God. Let him deal with it. And it's not teaching us to rejoice over knowing that our enemies are going to be dealt with. Matthew 5 actually tells us to love our enemies and to pray for them. Pray for the ones who are persecuting you. What? But that's how the Bible teaches us. So put away all anger, put forgiveness into practice, and in the end, just simply lay it in the hands of God. Well, depending on how we handle these situations, there's going to be a couple different outcomes. First, if we continue in our anger, we will become bitter. We will become bitter. If we allow anger to take a root in our hearts, we will soon see that our lives will be bitter. Not only toward the individual that, that caused us and, and helped us to become angry, but to those around us. Think about if, if you're angry at something. Sometimes your kids who get too close to you, you're angry at them too. I like how John Piper defines bitterness. He says, bitterness is an unforgiving, resentful, antagonistic spirit towards someone for being wronged. Friends, we're in a battle. We're in a battle against all bitterness. And if we don't learn how to forgive other people, we will lose this battle. If we can't learn to forgive, then Jesus, like he said in his parable, God cannot forgive us. You see, this isn't, I'm not teaching salvation by works. This is a matter of your heart. This is a matter of your heart. You see, when I was at the doctor's office 50-something days ago, and he showed me, uh, told me I didn't have surgery, I could have completely ignored it. He showed me the x-rays. He showed me the x-ray of my other good foot. He even, he even pushed on the injured part where he said I needed to have surgery at and cause some pain. 
I could have just said, oh, wow, that's interesting, doctor. Thanks for the input, but no thanks. I'm not doing it. I'm not having surgery. But what would the outcome be? The outcome is that I wouldn't find healing, and I'd be dealing with pain the rest of my life. Well, that's the same with the great physician. The exact same with the great physician. He has prescribed that, as our verse says, along with Colossians 3.8, that we are to get rid of all anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from our mouth. God's very clear to put away anger. He's very clear about it. And are you willing to listen to the greatest doctor ever? Think about this. Our great physician, Jesus Christ, our Savior, he was on the cross. And in his last breath, what, what, what is he saying? He's saying to the people that murdered him, that killed him, right there, hammer nails in him. He tells his father in, verse, in Luke 23, 34, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. If we continue our anger, we will become bitter. But if we cease our anger through the help of God, of course, we will start to get better. We will start to get better. When we learn to forgive those that cause us to be angry, we're going to start a healing process. And this could be long and hard, but it is necessary. With the help of God, we can get on the path toward honoring the Lord even when we're angry. By the way, I did have the surgery, and I've been recovering now for about two months. I still have some swelling. I can't fit into some of my pairs of shoes. Today's the first day I've been able to wear these shoes. And I'm getting therapy multiple times a week because when I fully heal, I want to be able to thrive. And that's what we need to do with anger in our life. That's what we need to do. We need to make a list. Here's here's an application for you. Make a list of everyone and everything that has ever made you angry that you haven't dealt with. Go all the way back to your youngest memories. Is there something out there that has made you angry? I did this too, friends. I went through this process and it was extremely helpful. Go back to your first memory and identify all those places where you've been angry. Perhaps you were angry with something this morning. Either way, whether it's been five decades, five years, or five days ago, make the list, write it down, and deal with it one by one. Taking that situation, that individual to the Lord. Take it to the king. Don't take it to the individual person necessarily. If it happened five decades ago, they may not even realize it. Take it to the king because he knows everything. And it's your healing that you need to deal with. And as you go through this process, there's going to be some things that take longer. Maybe you're reminded about it every day because uh, you see a certain individual or you come across something every single day. That's okay. Just keep going through it. And sometimes it's going to hurt. Sometimes it's going to be painful. 
And that's okay too. Because our goal is that as we go through this process, that we're finding healing. Maybe you need a brother or sister in Christ to help you along the way. That's great too. You see, in the end, friends, your heart, your heart is going to start healing. And your life for the Lord will start thriving. 